This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. So dealing with a debt problem goes far beyond just the financials. And Blair Manton wants you to know Sands & Associates is the best firm that you can choose at this point. They are BC's largest licensed insolvency trustee firm in the province focused on debt help services for consumers, help thousands, obviously thousands of people get a, get out of from underneath their debt and really ultimately change their lives with that financial fresh, fresh start. So Blair's got some key messages of reassurance that he and his team want you to know. So do you want to start by telling us a little bit about Sands & Associates for anybody that doesn't know, a little bit about your history even? Yeah, certainly. So it uh, used to be called bankruptcy trustees, but Sands & Associates is a firm of licensed insolvency trustees, and we're the people you should call when you need a plan to deal with your debts. So if you find yourself being stressed about your finances, not sure where to turn, don't know how you're going to be making these payments, or you're making all your payments, but you know you'll be in debt for decades to come, uh, a trustee is the best person you can reach out to to get a plan to get you back to owing nobody anything, to being able to have some financial goals in your future, uh, and to really achieve what you want to achieve on a financial basis rather than spending all of your money you know, on interest charges or things that just reoccur every month and don't get you anywhere. Uh, we were founded in 1990 um, in Sands & Associates. I'm proud to say we've grown to become BC's largest firm of licensed insolvency trustees. And all we do is help people and small businesses deal with tough debt situations. So we're not a firm that does 100 different things to 100 different clients. We're very, very competent, very experienced, um, and very, uh, we have a great reputation um, in helping people when they find themselves in tough situations. I also like the fact that, that uh, Sands & Associates believes that money problems can happen to anyone at any time. It's, it's really quite astounding to me over the years that we've been talking about this, Blair, that it's for sometimes for folks, it's just one thing that will trigger a whole host of other things. And before you know it, you're in this pit of debt and you can't figure out how to deal with it. And I like the fact that you know that going in. Absolutely, Elaine. You know, we're, we're committed to an approach of genuine care and empathy. So with each of our staff, our, our goal is to treat every client that, that reaches out to us as if they were a close family member going through a very tough time. What sort of empathy and support would that person want to feel? And that's what we aim to provide as much as we can uh, when we're dealing with our clients. And what we really want people to know is that they do have support. There's qualified solutions. Uh, they need to know where to find them. Uh, but there's absolutely light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, there's there's no debt problem that doesn't have a solution. That's what really just gives me so much energy every morning is knowing I'm going to face a bunch of problems on clients in, in different client situations, but I've got the solution to solve those problems because Canadian law is so great. It's very well written. I don't calculate the government a lot, but they did a great job uh, when they wrote their insolvency laws because it really does give somebody a chance to literally turn their life around uh, in a quicker and often less expensive means than they, than they thought possible. 
Um, you know, oftentimes what we do as insolvency trustees, you know, part of it is the numbers and it's understanding, well, you know, what can you afford to pay back and here's how the bankruptcy should be administered. Uh, but what's really, uh, you know, even more interesting and definitely more gratifying on a day-to-day basis is understanding what does it feel like to be in debt. So what's the current situation the clients are facing uh, when they pick up the phone or walk in the door? And it's oftentimes people are at one of the lowest points in their lives. And to be able to help them to suddenly start again, to rebuild that self-worth, to get back on track, you know, that could be just such a rewarding thing for myself and for my team here. And in terms of how it feels to be in debt, you know, no surprise to anybody, it doesn't feel good. And when we survey our clients every year, we do a very detailed um, survey over a period of a couple months and release it to the media every year in January. Um, each year, it's very consistent. Over three in five people said the reason they knew they had a debt problem was because overwhelming stress had manifested itself and they just couldn't ignore it anymore. Uh, for two thirds of people, self-esteem was suffering because of being in debt uh, in a similar proportion their health was suffering so um, you know stress isn't good for anybody at any time and definitely we're understanding more and more how physically stress can manifest itself to the point of you know even even causing death in, in certain people so uh, definitely dealing with the financial stress can often have really significantly positive physical impacts uh, and you know finally as much as one in six people that reached out to us had said they had contemplated thoughts of suicide to deal with their financial situation again for some for a situation where we know there's a solution we know people just need to reach out to know that as much as many as one in six people just don't realize that uh, and really have some dark days and dark thoughts uh, just tells us we need to continue to do as much as we can to get the word out that empathetic and supportive debt solutions do exist. I'd, I'd like to keep talking about that part, Blair, because I think it's really important and is really significant for Sands and Associates in terms of how you and all of the staff in the offices uh, do your business and talk to people and support them and, and help them through this, the um, whatever situation. And I think the number one one that I've heard you say so many times is your your financial problems do not define you. And I think that is so embedded in people that it, that they believe it does. Um, and I think it comes from, you know, our parents and our parents' parents, et cetera, et cetera, you know, that have just sort of instilled that. But, but it's not true, especially in today's um, landscape where, boy, oh, boy, things can change so quickly for folks. Yeah, it's it's often, you know, it's a sign of a very moral person to want to honor all of your obligations and your commitments. And when you think about it, you borrowed the money, you made a commitment that you were going to pay it back. And it's not comfortable to be in a situation where you can't meet a commitment that you've made. And oftentimes, the more moral and upstanding the person, you know, the harder that they can really take that and it can really cause, you know, a significant hit to their self-esteem and a sense of self-worth. Um, so, so much of our meetings, especially at first, it's just helping people really separate that, really understand that, you know, being in debt is a temporary situation. It's not a permanent state. You are not defined by being in debt now. Um, you know, if you're in debt five years from now, well, that's, that's a bit of a challenge. You didn't take the steps and that's going to start to define you, but don't let that happen, you know. Um, it's not a reflection of you of your character, you or your character. And quite often, being in debt is often not your fault. So one of my colleagues, uh, her name is Darlene, one of her uh, pieces of advice that she put on her bio, which I thought was great, is she says, financial difficulties are not a reflection of who you are as a person. They're only a symptom of something bigger that you may have no control over. And this really played out in our survey as well. As many as four out of five individuals, when we really drilled down, what's the, what's the issue that caused you to have to file a bankruptcy or a proposal? Four of the five top main causes were illness, injury, or health-related problems. 
that's not within your control. Overextension of credit due to cost of living, outpacing income, generally not within your control. You're not con- con- controlling the inflation these days that's happening. Marital or relationship breakdown, oftentimes that can come without warning. And then job-related or job loss. So the vast majority of situations, when I sit down and I, and I, I hear an individual's uh, story of what they've been through and what they've done, sometimes I can't find anything that they could have done different that would lead to a different outcome. And what they need to do is just start to forgive themselves a little bit for some of, you know, okay, maybe they could have tweaked a little thing here or there, but it wouldn't have resulted in a sea change to their situation. Uh, they need to be focused on what they can do now rather than judging themselves for, for their conduct in the past. Yeah, I think really good points, Blair. Um, if we're already describing you or someone you know and you think uh, they could use a hand, uh, get them to give Sands & Associates a call. The, the phone number is 1-800-661-3030. Or if you want to check out their website, please do that. It's sands-trustee.com. Now, I wanted to move on a little bit, Blair, and talk about some of the things that Sands & Associates and, and your estate managers want people to know when it comes to asking for help. Yeah, absolutely. I think really top on that list is you do deserve to live with dignity. So just because you're in debt doesn't mean that you have to submit yourself to harassment, to being berated, uh, to feeling like a failure. Uh, Being in debt can cause a lot of shame, a lot of self-blame, but everyone is deserving of a financial fresh start. And regardless of, of any of your debt situation, you absolutely do deserve to be treated with and to live with dignity and respect. So we try to emphasize that right from the start, uh, that as humans, we've got certain things that, you know, just the base level of dignity and respect is just endemic to us. Um, And we want people to understand as well, you know, life goes on and you can and will move beyond this current challenge. So it can be really, really tough in the moment in the eye of the storm to think out, you know, two, five or 10 years and know that eventually all this shall pass. Um, But absolutely, as I've often said, you know, debt always has a solution. It's not something that's going to persist for your entire life. So you will be able to move forward. What are a couple of other ones? I know you've got I've got a few more listed that we want to talk about. Yeah, I think just one uh, last quote that I would say here, it's from my colleague Raj, um, on, on his bio, again, one of his key pieces of advice that he gives is we can't control what happened in the past, but we can help you understand where you're at today so you can move forward to your goals and your debt-free future. So the more that we can get away from really dwelling on all that's happened in the past, all that we could have controlled or not, uh, really focus on the future, focus on that plan, get behind it and get enthused about it, um, that's where we're going to have the real transformation, the real change, the turnaround in people's lives. Are are people or most people surprised to learn um, the kinds of things that come with figuring out debt and debt management? Every day. Um, Elena, sometimes it's I enjoy my job because I feel like I'm giving good news a lot of times that people didn't anticipate. So, you know, a lot of times people feel like they're the only person facing their situation. No one's ever been through it before. And people are quite surprised to learn, um, you know, in 2019, there were almost 140,000 people in Canada across the country um, who worked with a a licensed insolvency trustee to file either a personal bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. So somewhere between 100 and 150,000 people year in, year out in Canada do restructure their debts. And so you're definitely not alone. Um, quite often people are really surprised to learn um, that credit and debt borrowing and credit ratings, how everything interacts is not how they, how they typically thought. Uh, and there's a lot of education in our counseling sessions about how credit ratings actually work 
about how often keeping a perfect credit rating can be at the expense of your overall financial health. So I really enjoy that part of it of helping people understand, you know, yeah, credit rating is a report card. You don't need to have A pluses at every stage in your life. And sometimes um, the right decision is to take a short term hit to your credit report, restructure all the debt and then be in a better position to save money in the future and rebuild the credit over time. So oftentimes people are very surprised to see, okay, we can have a strategy with our credit rating. It doesn't need to just be perfect at every stage. Excellent. And how straightforward are debt solutions these days? And how, you know, how do the processes that people can choose from actually work? I know you've got some good, good statistics on that. Yeah, well, for most people, they're very surprised to know how how actually straightforward and easy it is to file either a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. It's still something you don't go into lightly, but for 80% of people, they said if they knew how straightforward it was, they would have acted more quickly. So if you think it's a very difficult, convoluted process, it isn't. Um, and I think for another thing that people are sometimes surprised is when you're dealing with a licensed insolvency trustee, the, an LIT is not paid by commission, not paid by your creditors at all. So they really don't have a vested interest in you pursuing one option or another. An LIT is just an impartial um, an officer of the court, essentially, to help you understand what your options are and help you choose the right option to move forward. I'm going to give you the phone number again. It's 1-800-661-3030 to uh, get that first appointment. Sands-trustee.com is the website. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. Although it might be offered with the best of intentions, there's a lot of bad financial advice out there. And I think anybody can attest to just watching television, listening to the radio. There's all kinds of stuff out there that you think, oh, that sounds like a good idea. But the good thing about Blair Mountain is that he knows better than a lot of people that when it comes to money matters and dealing with debt, there are an awful lot of pitfalls to avoid. And every day, Sands and Associates talks to people across the province who are looking for debt help and expertise. So, Blair, when offered financial advice, specifically or in general, what's the first thing that you would do? Well, thanks for the question, Elena, and I'm really happy to give a pretty straight answer is the first thing you do if someone tries to give you financial advice is you consider the source. So, you know, sometimes friends and family, they don't give us the best advice, and it could be completely unintentional, but they just might simply not have all the facts. So the number of individuals I have in my office who say, well, you know, my brother told me this or my sister or my dad or, you know, my friend said, you know, there's nothing I can do with tax debt. Or my friend said, you know, my wife and my husband, you know, everybody's responsible for everybody's debt. There's just a lot of misconceptions that are out there. So you definitely need to make sure you're getting professional advice. First off, uh, even if there's someone well-meaning, they just might not have all the insights that are relevant to your specific situation. And if it is coming from a professional that you're getting advice, just make sure, is it the right person to be giving you this advice? You know, a little bit um, jokingly here, but you wouldn't ask your dentist to look at your car or you wouldn't take your taxes to your doctor. So I'm sometimes surprised uh, the individual that, that people do take financial advice from, you know, essentially they might not be aware of a licensed insolvency trustee, but you do need to be aware that there are people that can help you figure out um, how to deal with your debts. And there's other folks that might be well-meaning, might still be part of the financial industry altogether, but would really have no specific idea about insolvency because they've never faced it, or perhaps a client has never faced it. 
you know, even for myself, I worked with one of the biggest accounting firms uh, in the world for a number of years, and I had no idea about consumer proposals or personal bankruptcies, even though I worked in corporate restructuring. It just wasn't something a part of my day-to-day life. That's only when it impacted me personally. If someone I really cared about had a debt problem, I realized exactly how much I had to learn. And I was already a financial professional with a large accounting firm. So if I really didn't have a good grounding, the average person trying to give you advice, you know, probably doesn't have a very solid grounding and might, un- you know, unwittingly, unknowingly be sending you down a path that's not the best path for you. And then when you do get this advice or you hear something and then you go online to research it a little bit more, then again, you have to be so careful on where this information is coming from. Yeah, again, it's coming back to consider the source, you know, who's giving you the information and do they have a vested interest? You know, sometimes things can seem too good to be true, and it's because they are. There's promises that are being made to you that once you've committed to something or paid some fees, you'll find out there's actually nothing backing those promises up. So definitely consider the source online, even doubly so, uh, when it's coming from a, from a person that you might trust. Okay, so let's talk about um, the, the common types of financial professionals that are out there that you might suggest people folks with, uh, uh, connect with rather on various money issues or matters. Exactly. There is the big four of financial professionals that I definitely recommend. You might not need every one of these at every stage in your life. Some people will, but for the most part, it's just really important to be aware of who's out there and what they can do for you. Uh, So number one on our list is a financial planner. So, you know, I often meet with people that are struggling to bridge the gap of their income and their expenses, and they don't have a long-term goal, a long-term view of where they're heading to. And there's the old adage that if you don't know where you're going, any path is going to get you there. And the odds are you're going to end up to, you know, an outcome that's not the the best one for you. You're not going to have that, you know, stress-free retirement with a whole lot of money put away unless you start pretty early with a financial plan and you make some choices, and sometimes they're not that hard of choices, but they require a focus um, to help you manage your income and your savings and ensure you're going to have an acceptable standard of living upon retirement. So a financial planner, I encourage people, you know, anybody new starting off in the working world to have those meetings early on, you know, even consider using a robo-advisor, you know, an online financial planner. The most important thing is just to start doing it, just to start putting money away. The best practice is up to 10% of your take-home pay saved for long-term growth. You're never going to regret Um, having that plan in place as early as you can in life. What about an accountant, Blair? How important are they? Well, it depends on your situation. For anybody who is self-employed, an accountant is absolutely critical uh, because, yeah, you can do your own taxes with CRA each year, uh, but there's a reason why accountants do charge the fees that they charge. They've got to be up to date on all of the new legislation every year. Um, they're going to help you negotiate or sorry, navigate, avoid any pitfalls with your tax filings um, and help you get set up right from the start. So if you're self-employed and you're not compliant with CRA, nothing can shut you down more quickly than CRA deciding they're going to start freezing your bank account or they're going to intercept money your clients are paying to you. They can literally choke off your revenue at the source if you're not compliant with CRA on a regular basis. So for most individuals you know, who work a T4 job, who don't have a whole lot of complexity, they may not need an accountant now. They you know, may need one periodically if they're doing significant transactions or something. But for anybody that's self-employed, an accountant should definitely be on your speed dial. It should be someone you're checking in with at least a few times during the year. Okay. So number three, and, and most, uh, most lawyers would say they should be number one, but number three <laughs> is a lawyer. How big, a, how big a role should they be playing in this? 
Well, this is definitely not an everyday thing. You know, very few people are going to have a lawyer on retainer all the time, you know, ready to answer any questions for them. I don't think it's someone you need necessarily on your speed dial as much as your accountant if you're self-employed. But if you are going through certain life events, it's definitely the case that getting professional assistance can save you a whole lot of of heartache and and pain later than if you try to do things yourself. Um, So a couple of significant things where you would want to get a lawyer involved is at the beginning of a marriage or cohabitation, um, you know, you may want to set out a cohabitation agreement. You may may want to be really clear about assets, about if the relationship doesn't work out. The time to do that is before you start cohabitating or get married. Uh, Also on a separation or a divorce. You know, can you download forms online to try to do it yourself? Yeah, you can. uh, But I wouldn't say it's the smartest thing to do. Uh, Again, there's a lot of intricacies of court practice in BC, and you're generally better served by having a professional work with you. Uh, When you're starting up a business, it can be important for a lawyer if it's an incorporated company to help you do the incorporation correctly. Uh, And then another uh, sort of, you know, planning, if you're thinking about wills and estates, what sort of legacy, um, you know, what should happen if you were to pass unexpectedly, a lawyer is the person that would sit down with you to work through all of those things. So depending on your stage, depending on what significantly, uh, what significant things are happening in your life, a lawyer or somebody for a period of time would be very important, but typically not someone on an ongoing basis you're going to be speaking with all the time because you probably just can't afford to do that. Okay. So let's talk about your Bailey Wick, your warehouse license insolvency trustee yeah and it really think well i would agree elaine and of course i'm a little bit biased but uh a bit facetiously and that you know my issue is there's just not enough people know about a licensed insolvency trustee so a lot of people know about a financial planner they know about an account they know about a lawyer but if they find themselves in debt they often don't know where to turn And they don't know that a licensed insolvency trustee is federally licensed, federally regulated, an all-inclusive code of ethics. Um, You know, you have recourse. If anything didn't go according to plan, you know, you you can basically talk to the LIT's regulator. But an LIT is someone that's going to be able to help you navigate any situation where you're feeling uncomfortable about your debts. So it's not a foregone conclusion that if you sit down with a licensed insolvency trustee, you're going to be filing a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. Uh, you know, a majority of people that we sit down with, we're able to help them either figure things out under their own steam or help them perhaps refinance or find another solution. Um, but we're going to give you all that information at no charge. We're going to give you the straight goods, just like we do on this show every week, Elaine, of, you know, what are your legal rights and remedies when it comes to a debt? It's going to be specific to your situation, to your debts on a case-by-case basis. What does it mean to you? We're going to help you understand whether a debt is collectible. So even though a collection agent might be threatening you on a 10-year-old debt, we'll sit down with you and say, well, the statute of limitations is actually two years in BC. Here's all the little things about how, well, you might have some uncertainty versus not. But we're going to arm you with that information so you can make a better decision. We're going to tell you what you can do if you just can't pay your debts. You know, do you need to formally file or what can be done to you if, you know, someone takes legal action against you? But essentially, an all-encompassing, we're going to give you free, impartial advice that's going to give you the knowledge uh, and information about the debt solutions that are going to help you out of a tough situation. I want to throw in here, too, before we talk about the red flags when it comes to these professionals, uh, I want to give you the phone number for Sands & Associates. They have offices all over British Columbia. It's 1-800-661-3030. Their website, sands-trustee.com. You can set up that first opportunity to sit down and start to figure out your best next steps if you're feeling like you need to do something that things aren't quite gelling the way they should be. This is a terrific place to start. 
So let's go back to those red flags, Blair. Um, what are the things that we need to pay attention to or should show up when we're dealing with these, uh, these four uh, financial people? Yeah, anytime you're dealing with a financial professional, I think first off, you got to trust your gut. You know, generally our intuition, sometimes we don't listen to it when we should. So really, if that little voice inside you or that feeling in your stomach is telling you something that doesn't feel comfortable, there could be something there. And that's a good indication you want to dive a little bit deeper. Um, I think you really want to make sure that the professional take the time to listen to you and understand your situation. Or do they seem in a hurry and they're just trying to you know fit you into a, a pretty predefined box, so to speak? Um, do they make the time and space to let you ask your questions and fully understand the answers? Um, you know, do you feel like you're being engaged in high pressure sales tactics or aggressive sales tactics? Is this, you know, a limited time offer? Well, if you don't sign today, I'm not going to spend any more time on this. Um, you know, these are all the types of things you'd never get from Sands and Associates. But when we hear from other uh, clients who have dealt with other debt health professionals, sometimes they felt pressure to sign in that moment. Um, there was a false sense of urgency that was created. Uh, you know, you also need to look at who you're working with. What are their credentials? You know, are they accredited either in BC or across the whole country? And then finally, if something seems too good to be true. So, you know, if someone's promising you, you know, instant credit repair or we can help you reduce your debt, it's not going to hit your credit at all. Uh, that's just not going to happen ever in this world. If you have to restructure your debt, the price of restructuring your debt is that your credit does take a hit. It's generally more short term and less severe than people think, but there's no way to restructure your debt without your credit taking even a partial hit. So any promise that you can restructure your debt without a credit impact is just completely false and it should send you running the other way. Yeah. And I like I like the fact that you've you've included that option. Like get a second opinion. If this doesn't feel right, if this information doesn't feel good, there's nothing standing in your way to getting a second opinion. And it's such a good idea in a, in a situation like this. Oh, absolutely true, Elaine. And, you know, sometimes even if you've met with an LIT, for example, and you didn't feel, you know, so comfortable in that meeting, we've been the second opinion for so many clients you've met with a different LIT, they've come to us and said, okay, we feel more comfortable, we understand things a little bit better now, we're, we're good to go. But definitely any professional you're dealing with, they're not the only game in town. So it really is, do you feel that connection? Do you feel that caring, that empathy? You know, being in debt is not a comfortable situation. You want to make sure whoever you're dealing with is going to be understanding and is going to have, you know, the professional qualifications to help you deal with the situation, not spin wheels for a number of months and leave you in a worse spot than when you started. Yeah, such good advice, Blair. Also, check out their website, Sands & Associates. just gives you so much good information right off the bat. You don't even have to call anybody, and you can access this at sands-trustee.com or give them a call at 1-800-661-3030 and set up that first meeting, as well as find an office near you. And I just want to remind you, they've got offices all over British Columbia. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. So when is a consumer proposal better? And I know we're going to talk about what a consumer proposal is if you, if you don't know, but there is a great time when it play, when it has a very good role to play. And Blair is going to explain some of the key advantages to choosing doing a consumer proposal to consolidate your debt and considerations as to whether making a consumer proposal would be the best, the right debt-free solution for you. So, so Blair, can you start by giving us a bit of a summary as to what a consumer proposal is, if there happens to be someone who doesn't know? Oh, with pleasure, Elaine. Um, I sometimes say I know it's my purpose in life to just 
publicize the idea of a consumer proposal because it's such a life-changing debt solution that most people, in my experience, you know, really need to know about it. Sometimes in the eye of the storm, they just think they're they not even aware this option exists. So what a consumer proposal is, it's only available through a licensed insolvency trustee, and it allows a person to consolidate, so put all the debts together into a single payment, and cut the debt legally without resorting, resorting to borrowing, bankruptcy, or seeing a credit counselor or any other professional. So what it allows you to do, as I said, is consolidate all the debt into a single amount, stop all future interest charges, give you protection from all collection activities, and you repay an affordable portion of the debt, which in some cases it could be as low as 15 or 20 cents on the dollar. In some cases it's higher than that. It could be, you know, 60, 70 cents on the dollar. Um, every situation is different, but it's based on an individual's ability to pay. And what happens when you pay back, say, 20 or 30 percent of the debt, because it's a legal proceeding, the remainder of the debt is legally discharged. This is full and final settlement, and the balance has to be written off at the conclusion of the consumer proposal. Um, who's eligible to file the consumer proposal is anybody um, who's in debt more than $1,000 uh, and less than $250,000, excluding any residents they might have on their principal residence. Uh, if someone owes more than $250,000, they can still do a proposal, but it's a little bit of a different process. But a consumer proposal is targeted at someone who's unsecured debt. So again, aside from a mortgage or a car loan, uh, are less than $250,000. And if it's a couple, it's possible to do a joint consumer proposal to deal with everything collectively, uh, and the debt limit at that point is $500,000. The final point here is it's important to know a consumer proposal is not the same as a bankruptcy. So it gives you the same protection, but whereas a bankruptcy is all the debt gets written off and you often pay, you know, minimal amounts back or sometimes a bit more based on your income, uh, in a proposal, it's based on a percentage of the total debt, you making an offer and the creditors accepting that offer, agreeing to work with you so that you can avoid the bankruptcy and they can avoid writing off all of the debt and actually get some of the money back. And the next piece is the, all the reasons why, and you've said this so many times, that uh, getting a consumer proposal, uh, using a consumer proposal to deal with debt can be life-changing. There are so many advantages to using, the, uh, to using that process, using the consumer proposal, that uh, it's, it's a really f- good part of this, of this segment to sort of go through each of them uh, because the advantages are many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is just the idea that you get the protection and you get the time to restructure. When you file a consumer proposal, the collection calls have to stop. No one can take you to court, harass you or anything. And then just the big ability to reduce that debt. So to stop all the calls, to stop the interest, and then to actually give you an amount to pay back that you can afford, um, you know, that that's just huge. Uh, what other factors for folks to consider as well um, is if you do have a house loan or a house mortgage or a car loan, um, you could choose as part of a consumer proposal just to keep those obligations going. So it's not a foregone conclusion. You file a proposal, you have to give up your house. It's quite the opposite. Just about everybody that files a proposal, they're now in a better position to pay their mortgage because now their other debt payments have been reduced. It's the same with a car loan. So you might decide, you know, I've got a car that's worth $10,000. I owe $30,000 on it because I consolidated a bunch of debt or something along those lines, you might decide, you know, I don't really want this car. I don't want to be held accountable for it. You could return that as part of the consumer proposal, or you could just decide, you know, I'm going to keep this car, keep making the payments on it. So it's a very flexible solution. You decide, um, you know, you've got to include all of your unsecured debt, but you decide if you want to keep your mortgage and your car loan, but also you can decide the timing of a proposal. So it's not a case you'll be paying this for the rest of your life, far from it. Um, 
by law, a consumer proposal can only last as long as 60 months or five years maximum, and you can pay it off early at any time. So if someone had, say, you know, $30,000 of debt, for example, and they did a proposal that reduced $10,000 of debt, they might pay that in the range of, you know, $166 a month uh, over 60 months. Maybe they got halfway through and they're suddenly they've got to raise that work and they just decide to pay off the whole balance of that proposal. They've completed the proposal early. There's no interest, no penalty. They just put everything in the rearview mirror that much more quickly. Uh, the final point here, Elaine, is that folks are thinking, oh, well, this sounds too good to be true. There must be a big catch in terms of fees. Um, how does zero sound? And I'm being a little bit uh, facetious there, but from the client's point of view, there are zero fees charged on top of a consumer proposal. So if it's determined that the person can afford to make those monthly payments of $166 a month to pay back you know, $10,000 on $30,000, that's a very common proposal we would see. There are zero fees charged on top of that to the client. What happens is the trustee gets paid out of that monthly payment each month. The government sets a tariff that if a trustee is administering a consumer proposal, they're allowed to retain a certain percentage for cost of administration, which essentially it's like your creditors are paying the cost of the trustee. There's never a fee the individual pays to the trustee. So before we go any further, Blair, I just want to mention if if you as a listener already know that you want to, need to, have to sit down and talk with somebody about solving your debts, look at your finances, using a consumer proposal at Sands & Associates, this is the phone number you need to jot down. It's 1-800-661-3030. So, Blair, there are other sort of debt management strategies that people might consider. Should we talk about those and sort of compare them a little bit? Yeah, I think it's useful because the first one here on debt, on debt consolidation, Elaine, that's what everybody tries first. And it definitely makes sense. By debt consolidation, we mean, you know, you get a new loan to pay off all of your other debts, and hopefully that new loan is at a much lower interest rate. So maybe you're paying 20 or 30% in your credit cards and payday loans. Your consolidation maybe comes in at 10 to 12%, which is, you know, a big reduction. But a couple of challenges is, first off, it's notoriously difficult to qualify for a consolidation loan unless you're willing to enlarge the problem, so to speak speak. And what I mean by that is you're willing to get a co-signer involved, which is someone who didn't know any of your debt before. If you get them to sign in the consolidation loan, guess what? They're on the hook for 100% of that debt. If you don't pay it back, that's what I mean by enlarging the problem. Uh, or sometimes they want you to pledge an asset as collateral. So maybe you own your car free and clear and no one could take it from you, but you get a consolidation loan and you give security over that car. And if you have trouble with those payments, well, now your car can be taken from you. So you need to be very careful if you are doing a consolidation loan, that it's at a attractive rates that you can qualify for and you're not throwing something extra in there like an asset or a cosigner they wouldn't have access to otherwise. And finally, you need to make sure it's affordable because with a proposal, you're paying zero interest and you're paying back a fraction of the debt, again, normally 20 to 30% typically. And in a consolidation loan, you're paying interest. It might be lower, but it's still there and you're paying 100% of the debt back. So that can be really tough to afford for folks if the debt is anywhere you know, above a modest level. Um, and we also hear so much about credit counseling programs or settlement services from debt agents. What do people really need to know about that? I think people really need to know that if anybody looks at the facts of what a consumer proposal can provide and compares it to a credit counseling solution, I don't think there's any situations where a credit counseling solution would be superior. And the big reason I'm saying that is because of a credit counseling solution, there's no ability to reduce the debt. There's often the ability to negotiate an interest freeze. It can't cover any government debts at all, but it's the difference between paying back 100 cents on the dollar of all of your debt plus a fee compared to a consumer proposal where you're probably going to pay back a lot less than 
100% of the debt and all the fees are going to be included. The proposal is going to deal with all of your debt. It's legally sanctioned, legally supervised. Nobody can opt out of it. Uh, whereas a credit counseling plan, it's informal. The government will never participate. And you could be halfway through and one of your creditors just decides to sue you. That kind of blows up the whole deal. So be very careful. Definitely look at all the options, but compare closely credit counseling and consumer proposal. And I'll be surprised if ever a credit counseling plan is a better option than a proposal. I want to mention, too, your website is awesome for Sands & Associates. It's sands-trustee.com, and it's literally filled with great questions, easy-to-understand questions, and easy-to-understand answers. If you're not quite sure about the terminology or the, the processes, if that's the thing for you to do first, then do that. I also want to encourage you to go to their website uh, and make an appointment to see somebody, sit down with somebody. Uh, they're, they're doing it all COVID-related in terms of you can do it on Zoom and all of those things. They really look after their people coming in the door, their clients, or give them a call at 1-800-661-3030. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. So government debt, man, that can be a whole bunch of different things, but that's got to be the number one concern, whether you're a business owner or it's just your personal debt and you've, you haven't paid income taxes or student loans or you're behind on those things, this is such a great segment because Blair's going to break down ways that you can manage your government debts, debts and even stop somebody from garnishing your wages, which, boy, oh boy, these days, any day, but especially these days, would be really, really challenging to have to deal with. So let's talk about some of the different types of government debt first um, that you come across, Blair, when you've got people in your office and they're talking about their situation. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, you hit, you said it well, Elaine, that a lot of people are very scared when they owe the government money. It becomes, you know, right front forefront of their mind because the government's the most powerful creditor that's out there. They don't need to take you to court before they can take really significant actions that can impact you. So if people get behind on payments to the government, uh, they get very scared, very anxious, wondering, you know, when the next shoe is going to drop, what's going to happen to the next. And there's a number of ways these types of debts can arise. So what we typically see is a few broad categories. So first off, a big one of tax debt, and that can include a bunch of things. You know, sometimes it's personal income taxes. So maybe the person was self-employed or pulled out some RRSPs and, you know, just didn't pay enough tax back. And then when they file their taxes, they get an assessment that says, oh, well, now you owe this amount of money that wasn't paid during the year. Uh, GST debt from a business is something that we see a lot of as well. Even if you haven't registered for GST, if you've tripped over the $30,000 revenue category and definitely get your own advice on this, uh, you could be assessed a GST debt, even if you've never collected it. Most often people have been collecting GST, but then there's been a tough time in the business and they've had to use those funds for operations rather than remit them to the government. Uh, sometimes there are payroll remittances, so source deductions should have been withheld from employees. Um, they weren't remitted to the government, and that becomes a debt. Uh, sometimes things like student loans, whether it's national or provincial student loans, uh, it could be an overpayment of benefits. Um, so definitely uh, relevant right now is CERB. So we're hearing from a lot of people, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, they were perhaps overpaid or not eligible. Um, and now they're starting to get some notices. Well, hey, we're assessing you that needs to be paid back. 
Um, ICBC debt, obviously near and dear to us in BC, our public insurer, um, that can be a type of government debt um, that can be very difficult to deal with outside of seeing a trustee. And then finally, MSP premiums. So even though medical services plan haven't had to pay premiums for quite some time now over the last couple of years, if there's a previous debt, that still is due and payable and can come back to haunt you here. Wow, that's a lot to consider. And it really, Mm -hmm. um, most of these touch everybody except for maybe a student loan, but uh, something to consider. Some really important pieces of government debt that you need to pay attention to. So what if what happens then if if you end up in a situation where you can't keep up the repayment obligations on these types of debts? Well, the government's got a number of things they can they can do, and sometimes they'll employ a few of these tactics or just one. But first off, interest and penalties. Um, so even what seems like a manageable balance to CRA, that can grow over time uh, with interest that compounds daily and penalties, especially if you're late on filing or things like that. Uh, what CRA can do in addition to interest and penalties is freeze your bank account. And if you want to talk about getting your attention, well, suddenly when you go to pay your rent or pay an online bill and you find you can't access your funds, you know, the funds are still there, but you won't be able to use them if CRA has frozen the account. Um, CRA often does that as kind of a shot across the bow saying, you know, you need to file these tax returns. We're going to unfreeze your account once it shows that you've done these. But sometimes they will also seize the balance of that account if it's a case the debt is so significant. And that can happen with no warning to you and can be, you know, absolutely shocking and can really um, derail your financial plan. Um, In addition to just seizing bank accounts, um, CRA can seize assets. So where this most commonly happens is they can place a charge or a lien on your residence or on some other property that you might have. And then once that lien is registered, it's like you've got another mortgage there. So if you sell your house, uh, your mortgage holder gets paid out and then CRA to the value of their lien also gets paid out before you see any money. Uh, And the last thing that they do, and again, talk about being dramatic, is they can garnish your wages. So generally, CRA can take 30 to 50% of your wages in the province of BC. I've seen them go as high as 100%, even on pension amounts, uh, if a person is, you know, extremely non-compliant and they really want, you know, to teach them a lesson, so to speak. But you can imagine having your income cut off at the source. That could just be debilitating right away. So we're going to talk about the next best step to take. But first, I just want to throw in, if you want to take some action now, give Sands & Associates, you can do it two ways. Either give them a call, 1-800-661-3030, of course, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, The second is go to their website, sands-trustee.com. It's filled with good information, and it's also a way for you to access an office and make an appointment and get set up. So let's talk about the two options of, of what you can do or who you can talk to to take this kind of debt on and and resolve it. Yeah, and just before we get to that, Elaine, there's one pitfall I just want to highlight for folks here because I've definitely seen people do something that they thought was working to their best efforts or to their best outcome and it ends up coming back to to haunt them. So one really big pitfall to avoid is don't transfer assets out of your name. So if you've got a debt to CRA and you say, well, I've got these assets, I don't want CRA to come after them, I'm going to put them in my spouse, uh, parent, child, grandparent, whichever, someone else's name, just be aware CRA can undo all of those transfers, they can pursue the person you've given the assets to, and you can really enlarge the problem at that point. So don't go rearranging things to try to outsmart CRA, uh, they will win in the end if, if you think you can outsmart them. So just wanted to give that warning there. Yeah, no, that's good. Thanks for including that. So what's the option, uh, like a consumer proposal, which we often talk about? Is that the best option in this situation? 
Well, there's two options, and both of them are accessible through a licensed insolvency trustee. And kind of the the benefit of a consultation is figuring out which option is going to fit best for your situation. But a consumer proposal can be a great option if you've got an amount owing to the government. You can afford to pay off a reasonable portion of it, you know, maybe 30 to 50 percent of it over time. But you can't handle being garnished. You can't handle your wages being seized. uh, And you just need that time. You can't come up with the money up front. A consumer proposal can be just a lifesaver because once you're in a consumer proposal, if anything's been done against you, it has to stop. So if your wages are getting seized, the day you sign that proposal, the trustee's going to put a stop to that wage seizure. If CRA is threatening to put a charge against your house, the day you sign that consumer proposal, CRA can no longer put a charge against your house. So if it's a situation where you can pay off a reduced balance, the proposal can be just a lifesaver. If it's the case, you've been assessed just a massive amount of debt and your income is nowhere near going to allow you to pay off, you know, even a quarter of the debt over time, well, then a personal bankruptcy can be the option that's going to get you back to zero um, at a reasonable cost and a reasonable time frame. For 80% of people in Canada, bankruptcy runs just for a nine-month period, um, and any amounts owing to the government are typically dischargeable in a bankruptcy, which means they go away. When you finish the bankruptcy, you don't owe the government any money, and it's amazing how many people think, I file bankruptcy if I have tax debt, I Bankruptcy deals with the credit cards, deals with the lines of credit, but the tax that comes out the other side, that's not the case in Canada. Both a consumer proposal and a personal bankruptcy fully deal with tax debt. And I just want to include, too, that the, the beauty of going to see somebody like Blair to li- uh, as a licensed insolvency trustee is that they'll work with you to figure out, is it consumer proposal or is it bankruptcy? Because they're, because those two options are two options that only a licensed insolvency trustee can actually facilitate for you in this country. Yeah, and it doesn't take long, Elaine. It's inside of the first consultation. Anyone that we meet with, by the end of the meeting, we're giving them a very clear, you know, even on a spreadsheet saying, you know, here's the impact, here's the financial structure of a bankruptcy, here's what a consumer proposal could look like, the benefits, how you would take your next steps, and that people have a really clear decision they can make on how they want to proceed. Uh, And getting a proposal together can be done in a matter of a few days if it's urgent. People can take weeks, you know, to do all their research. But if your wages are being taken tomorrow, uh, we could probably have a proposal ready very quickly quickly if that's what you needed. Nice. And there's, yeah, so many benefits to going to uh, checking in with Sands and Associates and talking to them about your situation. Uh, you're listening to Dollars and Cents. If you want to go to their website, sands-trustee.com or call 1-800-661-3030. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.